أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأنحكم and judge بينهم between them meaning between the people بما أنزل الله according to what Allah has revealed ولا تتبع أهواءهم and do not follow their desires what are their desires the alterations that they have made the things that they have invented وحذرهم and be cautious of them be very careful be alert وحذرهم هذا الرأ حذر to be cautious so be on your guard when you deal with these people أن يفتنوك that they might tempt you. Lest they tempt you. They put you in fitna. How? Through their speech. عَمْ بَعْضِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ From some of that which Allah has revealed. Be very careful when you're dealing with certain people when it comes to the book of Allah. Because you will mention something and they will start bringing up all these differences, all these opinions, and then you're a confused mess all over again. You started with confusion, you read the book of Allah, you gained some clarity, and then what happened? You started discussing the same thing with you know, a particular person, and they mentioned strange and weird things, and you're just messed up in your head. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do it or not do it? Do it like this or do it like that? وَحْذَرْهُمْ Be cautious and alert. Because some people, they love to debate. They love to talk about controversial issues. Rather, they like to bring controversy in everything of the deen. They like to bring controversy in everything of the deen. The deen is not controversial itself. They like to bring controversy. Even when it comes to the matter of, you know, moving your finger in tashahud, they will make this confusing for you. So, when you come across an individual who loves talking about these strange things or debating, you know, then be careful. Be alert. وَحْذَرْهُمْ أَنْ يَفْتِنُوكَ عَمْ بَعْضِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ And especially when somebody is looking for faults in the Qur'an, in the book of Allah, in the sunnah of his messenger, or he's presenting strange things, then be careful and stay away. Because just recently somebody was telling me about one of their relatives who was having a discussion with a professor of theirs back from university. And they were basically discussing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. About His being, His attributes, His existence. And the discussion went from very innocent discussion to Allah's hand and Allah's appearance and so on and so forth. And then what are they bringing? Quotations from the books of great Islamic scholars. But if you take those quotations and you put them out of place, it's going to mess you up. It's really going to confuse you. And the thing is that to understand those matters, you have to have a certain level of knowledge and understanding. To go so high. And the only reason why our scholars discussed these things, wrote about these things, was so that if there is a person who reaches this level, has confusion, a question at this level, then he should have an answer. But if an average person takes out one sentence from their book and says, oh look, this scholar, you say that he's follower of the sunnah, he's of the correct belief, look what he mentioned in his book about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you even comprehend it? Can you even imagine it? But think about it. The answer what I gave to them was that look, the Qur'an and the sunnah, they don't always talk about these details, right? These details are there 
But if you compare it with everything that we have been given, all the knowledge that we have been given, it's just a small fraction. So what should our focus be on? On the very small fraction, the reality of which we can never understand in this world, the reality of which we can never fully comprehend with our limited minds and the limited knowledge that Allah has given us? Is that what our focus should be? No. Our focus should be on what? فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ What are we supposed to do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I believe He exists. I believe He has the attributes that He has informed us of. Their reality, how they are, I can't understand. I'll wait till the hereafter. Right now, I want to strive in order to get to Jannah so that I can be there when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows Himself to the people of Jannah. And then I'll find out. And then I'll understand. Musa alayhi salam, he wished to see Allah. Could he see Him? No, he couldn't. So right now, with your discussions and your research and your observations, can you know the reality of Allah? Never. So it's a very futile path you can say to take. Because it's going to get you nowhere. It's just going to confuse you. So Allah says, وَحْذَرْهُمْ أَن يَفْتِنُوكَ عَمْ بَعْضِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا Then if they turn away, meaning they come to you, you make judgment for them, you give them, and they are not interested. They turn away. They don't accept your decision. فَعْلَمْ Then know that أَنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ That indeed Allah only wants أَن يُصِيبَهُمْ That He afflicts them بِبَعْضِ ذُنُوبِهِمْ Because of some of their sins. What does this mean? That if a person sees the haqq, yet he doesn't accept it, then this is a consequence of what? Their previous sins. Their previous sins are preventing them from accepting the truth which is clear. Because sometimes there's a matter which is very clear in our deen. There's no doubt about it. But yet people are confused. Yet people are confused. Or they say they are confused. They say, I don't know, I don't get it. And if you explain to them, they still don't want to get it. And even when they apparently get it, they say, I'm not ready for it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Tawallaw. If they turn away, then remember this is a consequence of their sins. And here, we should look at ourselves. Let's not think about others. Let's think about ourselves. That what is it that I know I'm supposed to do? Or what is it that I know I'm not supposed to do? It's clear in the Qur'an and Sunnah. Yet I contradict the Qur'an and Sunnah. I'm not observing it properly. I'm not observing it like I should. I know that, for example, I have to pray my Sunnah. For instance, I have to pray my Fard on time. And I've heard many lectures, I've read many books. Many people have advised me. Yet if I don't do it, if I have some reason, if I come up with an excuse, then this is a consequence of my sin. Because it's not possible that a person has been granted hidayatul ilm, hidayatul ishad, that Allah gives knowledge to a person. And that person is not allowed to act on it? Doesn't make sense, right? That there is a person who doesn't know anything. Allah teaches him, informs him, educates him, makes him understand. And yet this person doesn't get the tawfiq to act on it. He gets ilm, but no amal. He gets irshad, but no tawfiq. What's the problem? Doesn't make sense. What's the problem? There's something that has come in the middle, 
and prevented the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from coming to that person. And what is that? What is it that has distanced the person from Allah? That has become a barrier between a person and Allah? It is his sin. So whenever you find yourself in a situation like this, that I know, yet I don't do. Why? There's something in the middle. There's a barrier that has come between me and Allah. There's something that has distanced me from Allah. It's our sins. So let's seek forgiveness. Let's do istighfar at that time. So that we can get tawfiq. You know in a hadith we learn that whoever wishes to meet Allah, then Allah wishes to meet him too. Whoever wishes to meet Allah, then Allah wishes to meet him too. Allah likes to meet him too. Now imagine, think about it right now. If you were to die today, are you ready to meet Allah? Don't answer me. Answer to yourself. Are you ready to meet Allah? What if you met Allah now? Would you be comfortable or uncomfortable? Would you feel happy or worried? Would you be relaxed or would you be anxious? How would you feel? If the answer is that you'd be anxious, if the answer is that you're uncomfortable, you feel awkward, then ask yourself why? Why am I anxious? Why am I uncomfortable? When are you not ready to meet someone? When do you feel uncomfortable in the presence of someone? When something has happened, that is not right. When something wrong has happened. So what is it that is wrong that has happened between you and Allah? Your sin. Allah has always been merciful to you. It's always our sins, right? So these sins, they create a barrier between us and Allah. They distance us from Him. So we feel uncomfortable. And some people experience this so much that they cannot even lift up their hands to make dua to Allah. They cannot even do sajda and cry before Allah and ask Him for something. This is how it becomes. So when you feel this barrier, this distance... You have to get rid of it because there is no way of survival except with Allah. There is no protection except with Him. There is no substitute to having closeness with Allah. There is no substitute to having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased with you. Having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased with you, there is no substitute to this. No alternate to this. You know, for example, if your mom is upset with you, you're like, fine. My dad's okay with me. Oh, whatever. My friends are there. But if Allah is not happy with you, then remember there is no substitute. Nothing in this world. Nothing at all. So where the sins have come in between, get rid of them. How to get rid of them? Seek forgiveness. Confess. Say that, Ya Allah, I am very, very sinful. I know I am wrong. I am wrong. I am bad. I have done this wrong. I have done that wrong. I confess. I admit. But لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت. No one forgives sins but you. فاغفر لي. So forgive me. مغفرة من عندك. Forgiveness from you. Because there is no other way. There is no other way. So get rid of that. And don't delay. 
If you have this feeling that Ramadan came and I you know, had this feeling that I'm going to pray a lot and I'm going to seek Allah's forgiveness, but I barely kept my fasts. I hardly went for taraweeh. I hardly made any dua. Ramadan is gone. And now almost half of shawal or half of shawal is gone rather. And I haven't even kept one fast. So what am I doing? Where am I headed to? Don't worry. It's never too late. Seek forgiveness now. Don't delay. And you seek forgiveness once, you make a mistake again, seek forgiveness again, do istighfar again, do tawbah. You know, in a hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the gist of that hadith is that my servant has done wrong, and he has said, oh Allah forgive me, and I have forgiven him. Why? Because he knows that there is no one who can forgive sins but Allah. And then that servant did wrong again. And he said, Oh Allah, I have wronged, so forgive me. So Allah says, I forgive him. And that servant, he does wrong again. And he says, Oh Allah, forgive me. So Allah forgives him. That servant, he does wrong again. This happens repeatedly, again and again and again and again. If there was anyone else, they would say, Is this a joke? Is this a joke? But what does Allah say? I forgive you. Why? Because Allah knows that his servant realizes that he has a Lord who forgives. You can never become perfect. You will always fall. You might feel that in Ramadan I prayed Fajr, always on time. And here I am, barely praying on time. You will fall. You might say, in Ramadan I kept 30 fasts. And here I am, 15 days are gone. And I haven't even kept one fast. In Ramadan I said, all my sunan. And here I am, not even praying any sunnah. In Ramadan I did dhikr, and now I don't do it. Don't stay in that guilt. Get out of it. Pull yourself out of it. Get over it and move on. But if you stay there, then what will happen? That distance will increase. That awkwardness will increase. That discomfort and that feeling of anxiety, anxiousness, it will increase. Somebody gave a very beautiful example of sins and repentance. That when a person commits a sin, it's as though there is a weed that has grown. When it's small, then it is easy to pull it out. But if you leave it, then what will happen? It will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And over time, what happens? A person ages and he becomes weaker. The tree grows stronger, firmer, and the person becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. So what will happen? When he will come to yank that tree out of the ground, can he do it? Even if he wants to, can he do it? He will find it so difficult. To the point that a time will come and he will say, it's impossible, I can't do it. So his yard will be full of weeds and he will just look away. But his looking away doesn't mean that the yard will become clean automatically. But this is what we do with our sins. We know they're there. But we just pretend as if they don't exist. But this pretense, it will not help you. The more time goes on, the more difficult it will be to repent. So when this distance has come, when this barrier has come, lift it up. Break it. Break that wall. Pull out that weed. Allah says, and indeed the majority of the people, they are surely defiantly disobedient. Most of the people, they're disobedient to Allah. So this is why most of the people you will find, they do not follow the law of Allah. First of all, you'll see that the majority of the people, they don't believe in Allah's law. 
And then from them, the majority of them, they don't adhere to it. وَإِنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ لَفَاسِقُونَ أَفَحُكْمَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ يَبْغُونَ Allah says, then is it the judgment of the time of ignorance that they desire? Because if they don't want to follow the law of Allah, they want to follow something else, then what is that something else? It's jahiliyyah. What is jahiliyyah? Jahiliyyah is from jahl. Jim halam. And jahl means ignorance. What is ignorance? Adamul ilm. When there is no knowledge. When people don't know. Unawareness. When people have no idea. And jahiliyyah, as a technical term, refers to the pre-Islamic age. The time before Islam. Because in that time, did people know about what Allah wants them to do? No. Did the people know about what halal is, what haram is? No. Did they know what leads to Jannah and what leads to hellfire? No. They didn't know. Which is why some individuals who were seeking the truth, who were seeking that nur, that light, what happened? They left shirk, they left many sins, and they would say, Oh God, oh that being whom created everything, I believe in you. And there were people who were known as the Hunafa, Because they wouldn't do shirk. They wouldn't dedicate anything to the idols. They would just believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they didn't know what to do. They were still in darkness. They had no idea how to live their lives. So this is what jahiliyyah is. And in the pre-Islamic age, we see that basically the absence of the divine law, the absence of the light and guidance that Allah sends, its absence, it meant people who are living without any law and order. That what are people following? Their desires, their wishes. So if they have a child, if it happens to be a boy, and they want to keep that child, they'll keep him. And if it happens to be a girl, as soon as a woman gives birth, girl, the hole is already dug. And they would immediately put the girl child in that hole and bury it. Literally, some people would do this. That when the woman would be in labor, when she would be about to give birth, they would start digging a hole. They would have the hole ready, prepared. That if it's a girl, she'll come straight from the womb into the grave, cover her up and khalas, finish. Infanticide was common. Not that common, but it was present. This was jahiliya, right? Likewise, killing someone, just because you're mad at them, this is what? Jahiliyyah. Likewise, jahiliyyah meant what? Following the forefathers without any reason, without any knowledge. Just because my dad used to do it, just because my grandparents used to do this, just because this has been our tradition and culture for centuries, this is why we do it. Even if it makes no sense, absolutely. Still we do it. So basically this was jahiliyyah. So jahiliyyah is what? Any way of life that is other than the way of life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught. Because it is ignorance. And if you compare people who are living today as well, a life that contradicts the way of life that Allah has ordained, you will find many similarities between their behavior today and the behavior of the people before Islam. The behavior of the people before Islam was what? If it's a girl, we don't want her, we'll bury it. Today what do people do? With all their technology, they'll do an ultrasound. They find a deformity in the fetus, abort it. They find that the gender is not what they wanted, abort it. 
They find that the woman is pregnant, they don't want a child, abort it. What's the difference? Tell me. The only difference is the modern technology, right? That's the only difference. Otherwise the actions are the same. What did Islam teach us? That no, if Allah has ordained a child, accept it however it is. Girl, boy, normal, abnormal, with deformities, whatever. Accept it because Allah has ordained that child for you. This is what Islamic law brought. This is what Huda and Nur brought. So if people leave that Huda and Nur and say, no, we don't want this child, we want to get rid of it, then what's the difference between them and pre-Islamic Arabia? What's the difference? We see that people back then, they did ghasp, taking other people's property by force, unjustly. Theft, robbery, very common. Highway robbery, very common. Islam came, forbade that. And if people do the same thing now, then what's the difference between them and jahili Arabs? What's the difference? There's no difference. Likewise, before Islam, zina was common, prostitution was common. If people were traveling somewhere, they came to a village, a city, a town, and they wanted to stay somewhere overnight, they wouldn't look for hotels and rest houses. What would they look for? A house with a flag on it. Because that means that this is the house of a prostitute, and you can go stay there, give her some money, enjoy her, and also have some fun time, and then move on. That's what they would do. And what do people do today? When they go to Vegas, when they go to other places in this world, what do they do? Similar things, right? Islam came, forbade prostitution. And people are going back to it. What's the difference? There's no difference. You might have some fancy terms, some fancy buildings, some more complicated system, but at the end of it, it's the same thing. Likewise, people consumed alcohol, embarrassed themselves, embarrassed others, humiliated others, damaged other people's property because they were drunk, they were intoxicated. Islam came, forbade that because this doesn't befit a human being to walk like a drunk, to speak like a drunk person. It doesn't befit a human being. And then what happens now? Same thing, right? My husband was telling me that in Ramadan, in the last 10 nights, when he would come for Qiyam, then um, he would go for Suhooj to Hortons, right? With his friends. So anyway, he said that every day he would find people who were drunk, who couldn't even stand properly, because it was in the middle of the night, right? Who couldn't even stand properly, couldn't even walk properly. And he says, it's amazing, the same people you will find them, working in fancy offices, behind fancy desks, on fancy computers, and these same individuals, look at them. So what's the difference between people who get drunk today and behave like animals, and people who got drunk thousands of years ago and behaved in a similar manner? What's the difference? No difference, right? One night I woke up and I heard people laughing in a very strange way. I got so scared. I felt as though there were people right in front of my house. Perhaps they were drunk or what. I don't know. But the way they were talking, the way they were laughing, it was creepy. It was like as if they were possessed by the jinn or something. I got so scared. I didn't turn any lights on, nothing. I didn't even go downstairs to have suhoor. I was scared. So does this behavior suit a human being? Someone who has a fancy degree, who drives a fancy car, does it suit him? No. People who got drunk, intoxicated, they were companions who said statements that were like, 
they knew that getting drunk was something evil when they saw people who were drunk eating their own feces. Because they can't tell what is najasa and what is tahir. And what happens to people today? Something very similar. They will drink their own urine or they will make other people drink their urine. What happens in such places? Disgusting things that you don't even want to imagine, don't even want to talk about. So this is jahiliyyah. This is not being progressive and modern. Because people are doing these things today in the name of what? Being free and being modern and being progressive. This is not progressiveness. If you leave Islam, you are going backward. If you leave Islam, you're going back to the ways of jahiliyyah. Uh, I used to have a neighbor. She's non-Muslim. Her husband, he, he come home drunk. And she take all his money. And in the morning, he doesn't know where his money. And she tell me, I took all his money and he have no idea. I tell her to tell him. And she said, no, leave him. So that the way, he doesn't know even where his money is going. La hawla wa la illa billah. So this is the reason why the law that Allah has given, it is called nur, it is called huda. And the way of life, whatever it may be that contradicts the law of Allah, what is that? Darkness, jahiliyyah. Because a person who uses his mind correctly, who uses reason, he will never think that it's good for me to get intoxicated and people take my money and I have no idea what I have lost. So, أَفَحُكْمَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ يَبْغُونَ Is it the judgment of the time of ignorance that they desire? What do they want? Are they seeking to return to the way before the book of Allah came? They want to become like people were when they did not have the Qur'an? This is what they want? Because you see, so many people are striving today, struggling today. To what? To eliminate the Qur'an. To eliminate the message of the Qur'an. Which is why if anyone wants to observe it, they call him radical, they call him backward, they call him barbaric, they call him this, they call him that. But he is the person who is enlightened. And people who are living a way of life that contradicts the Qur'an, that is jahiliyyah. Assalamu alaikum. Um, when you think about the rulings of Islam, you find that a lot of the time, they're, really, they're there to make you think. They're there to make you think about what you're doing, how is it right, how does it affect the people around you. It really makes you become enlightened. It makes you realize what is there around you, your surroundings. But if you try to move away from that, you're trying to live a life where you're blind, where you're doing things without really... When you're drunk, you don't know who you're harming. You don't know who you're hurting and what you're doing to yourself sometimes. Exactly. So you find that Islam really just... It makes you think. It makes you use your brain. Yes. It makes you aware, conscious, alert. And if a person leaves that, then he wants jahiliyyah. So Allah says, you want to become ignorant? You want to go backward? وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حُكْمًا And who is better than Allah in judgment? Meaning whose judgment is better than the judgment of Allah? What's the answer? No one's judgment. Allah's judgment, His law, His ruling, His decision is the best. But who will say that? For people who have yaqeen. Meaning for the people who have this conviction, this firm belief, this certainty that Allah's judgment is the best, then they will take it. They will follow it. They will accept it. But they have this yaqeen. This yaqeen that Allah's judgment is the best. And when can a person have this certainty that Allah's judgment is the best? When he recognizes Allah. 
When he recognizes Allah through his names, through his attributes, through his af'al, through his commandments, he recognizes Allah. That think about it in your body. If the digestive system that Allah has created is the best, if the nervous system that He has created is the best, I mean, there could be nothing else that people could come up with that could replace the nervous system. Nothing at all. Then if what He has created in your body is the best, then what He has legislated for your soul is also the best. So when can a person have this understanding? When he recognizes Allah then everything makes perfect sense. And when everything makes perfect sense, then it is easy to accept. But when a person does not recognize Allah, then he won't be able to accept the law of Allah. He won't be able to accept the decision of Allah and His Messenger. You know, there was a woman at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, a young woman basically, the daughter of a companion. And there was a Muslim man who was physically deformed, to whom people attached no importance to. People didn't have any respect for him, nothing at all. People didn't even notice him, didn't care for him. So much so that this person himself felt that a lot. That once the Prophet ﷺ picked him up from behind and said, who will buy this slave from me? He was joking with him. So he said, nobody's going to buy me. Even if I were a slave, nobody's going to buy me because I'm worth nothing. But the Prophet ﷺ assured him that he is better than that. So anyway, the Prophet ﷺ wanted him to get married. And he asked the father of that young girl that we're interested in marriage with your daughter. So that man thought the Prophet ﷺ wanted to marry her. And he said, of course, sure. And when the Prophet ﷺ said, not for me, but for this man, that he said, uh, I'll discuss with the mother. So he went told the mother and she said no way absolutely not but when the daughter heard she came and asked that what's going on and they told her that the prophet ﷺ wants you to get married to this man and what was her response that if the messenger of allah is saying then do it if the messenger of allah is saying then let's do it then nothing bad can happen to me and she did marry him And we remember her now because of who? Because of her husband. She got importance because of her husband. Not because of her parents, but because of her husband. So the person who recognizes Allah, His Messenger, then when he learns, she learns of a command of Allah, the instruction of the Messenger, then that is sufficient. Then they don't need a study to prove that hijab is good for you. Then they don't need a study to prove that this law or this command of Islam, this pillar of Islam is very beneficial. That if you pray five times a day, then you're like meditating and you're strengthening your brain and you're strengthening your focus and all of that. No, they don't need all these studies. They'll do it anyway. Why? Because Allah and His Messenger have said so. لِقَوْمٍ They believe with conviction, certainty. And we must have the certainty that if Allah has said, then amanna wa saddaqna. We believe, we affirm. Samirna wa ata'na. We hear and we will obey. Let's listen to the recitation. 
وَأَنِحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ وَاحْذَرْهُمْ أَنْ يَفْتِنُوكَ عَنْ بَعْضِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ فَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْا فَاعْلَمْ أَنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُصِيبَهُمْ بِبَعْضِ ذُنُوبِهِمْ وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ النَّاسِ لَفَاسِقُونَ أَفَحُكْمَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ يَبْغُونَ وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حُكْمًا لِقَوْمٍ يُوقِنُونَ So who is a true progressive? A truly progressive person. The one who is progressing to Allah. The one who is acting on فَاسْتَبِغُ khayrat, And who is the backward person? The one who is reversing from the law of Allah. The one who cringes when he learns of a command of Allah. The one who takes a few steps back when he learns that this is Allah's law. Then that person is backward. And the one who comes forward, then he is truly enlightened. Regarding the discussion about abortion, that when you were talking about, like if people found that there is, I mean if they are gender specific or they found any deformation, they usually go for abortion. So what is the final ruling? I know about, I mean abortion is not uh, permissible. But if you are sure, the doctors are saying that there is some deformation in the fetus or they would, you wouldn't have a normal child if it's there, it's confirmed, then what should the people do? Same thing, then leave it because that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. Because what does Allah say? لا تقتلوا أولادكم Do not kill your children. Who is the giver and taker of life? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. هو يحيي meet. This is something that we do not have authority over. So we cannot... Take someone's life away. Whether it is a fetus in the womb or it is an adult walking on the street. We cannot take somebody's life away. And even if there are deformities, so what? So what? If whatever life that Allah has decreed for a slave of His, don't take that away. And if it causes burden on people, if it is a source of great test for the family, then it is through various tests and patience over them that people's darajat are elevated in this life and in the hereafter. You know, my Qur'an teacher, the teacher who taught me how to recite Qur'an, he used to come every day for one hour when we were little children and he would teach us how to recite the Qur'an. And my parents, they took us to his house several times on Eid, uh, every time we'd go visit him. And recently also when I went to Pakistan, I went to visit him. He has two daughters that are mentally retarded. From my childhood, I have seen that those two daughters were always just sitting on the bed. Just sitting on the bed in their house. They cannot talk, they cannot communicate, nothing. They just sit there making noise, sometimes being happy or sad or crying. And honestly, seeing those girls makes me respect my Qur'an teacher even more. 
Because to know that somebody is going through such a great test in life, to see their two daughters, and even now when I went, they are old, those two daughters, perhaps in their 30s now. Physically, they look perfectly normal. Perfectly normal physically. But mentally, they have like the brain of a three-month-old maybe. Maybe a five-month-old, something like that. But it's a great test for the family. But their acceptance of this test and their embracing this decree that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for them, it has really honored them in the eyes of people and inshallah, hopefully, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. And this is exactly what our deen teaches us. Because what was happening before jahiliyyah, killing children, what do people do today? Kill children. But what does Allah want? That we keep them when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given life to them. We accept them. This is submission. This is belief. This is iman. And rejection of it, that is not iman. I was thinking about the imtihan and test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And always I respect and I remember, I remember him, Sheikh Kishik, Allah have mercy on him. Okay. This Sheikh, uh, so many times they put him in jail because some reason they think he is wrong. And also his son is handicapped and he lost his eyesight when he was 17. He went so many tests and so many imtihan and subhanAllah he died in a sajda. SubhanAllah. So we need sabr only. Because this life is about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us is what? Submission. That we submit to Allah wholeheartedly. That we accept all of His ahkam, whether they are qadri or they are shari. Whether they have to do with fate, decree, or they have to do with the religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. And both of them are connected. When a person will submit to Allah with regards to Qadri commands, Qadri hukum, then he will also surrender with regards to Shari. Assalamu alaikum. A few years back, my cousin was told to abort her child because he didn't have an arm and half heart. So we convinced her and said, don't do it. Just put your trust in Allah. And the child was born with everything. Subhanallah. Normal child with his arms, with his heart, everything. So don't rush things. Yes. So submit to Allah, accept His decree, and Allah will place barakah. And His help will come. As we're learning these ayahs, we, we learn that um, like every sin has a core. And the core is not knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for me, it's just saying that, um, for the, and this is just going out to parents, is um, don't force your kids to do things. Talk to them. And explain and do their tarbiyah in saying, you know, why is it that we don't do this? Why don't we do that? And give them the love of Allah. Like yes. kids need love of Allah, not yes. fear. <laughs> when they're really, really young, they need that love and understanding all of that. Yes. And there's a time in a kid's life where they look at parents as superheroes. As your parents are just everything and they just hold on to every word, every action that you do. And that is the time that needs to be, um, it needs to be embraced. And I think that goes out to all the moms and also us that aren't moms yet. You know, we need to keep that in mind and looking for those moments and just teaching them at that moment. Yes. Because when that love of Allah is instilled in the heart, that recognition of Allah, this will help a person submit. 
to Allah. This will help a person surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accept His law, accept His decision. But if that love is not there, then no matter how much you lecture people, no matter how much you explain them logically, no matter how much you threaten them, nothing's going to work. You know, for example, if a child from a very young age is made to love, let's say, firefighters, or let's say, paramedic. The other day my son, he saw paramedics, that's a new thing for him. So he's just, everyone's a paramedic, right? And everyone's a firefighter, and everyone's a construction worker, and everyone's a doctor, and everyone's a nurse. So anyway, what happens is that when this love is put in, then what will happen? You don't have to tell children when they grow older, you have to become a paramedic. You have to become this, you have to become that. They'll become themselves. So that love of Allah has to be instilled so that submission will follow. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.